2: You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Day in the weather department. Uh, cloudy. Uh, and not all that cold here in the Twin Cities. Minneapolis, St. Paul. Might be a good day to be out on the ice trying to catch some fish. Steve Carney uh, does that all the time and has a lot of success. And it's stevecarneyoutdoors.com. Steve, always good to visit with you. Thanks for joining us.
3: My pleasure, Steve. You know, I had a really tough day. You just gave me a great intro, and I had a horrible afternoon. I couldn't catch anything to save my life. Oh, but no. Got a couple of good stories for you.
2: All right, lay them on me. Well,
3: Last Saturday, if you remember, we were on the air live, and I had a conservation officer come up to my portable right when we were on the air, and that's good radio. That's good radio. Yeah. But I got a better, I got a better one for you. A um, couple nights ago, I was sitting in my portable, you know, jigging, doing my thing about 4 o'clock, and air bubbles started coming out of my left side and left hole to my left, and, you know, a lot of times in the winter there's springs and oxygen, you know, things are happening and you'll get, you know, air bubbles that'll come up every once in a while. But it was like bubbling like you were boiling water on the stove, just bubbles, really? bubbles coming up. And I'm going, what the heck is that? And guess what popped out of the hole? It was an otter. He wow. came up out of the hole, and I see this big, hairy head looking at me, and his little fingernails <laughs> are sitting on the edge of my ice hole, and it's like, oh, my goodness. I just, Has like, that goes. ever happened? Um, I've had muskrats come up through the hole before, sure. but not otters, and, you know, they're really a cool animal. I mean, and they're large, too, and I was hoping he wouldn't come into my portable because there's not a lot of room in there. And uh, that would have been probably not a very good outcome. But it was just, you know, really shocking. It just all of a sudden, boom, there's a hairy head right there. And, uh, (laughs) (laughs) you know, stuff happens, you know, when you're out in the field. I mean, weird stuff happens. But, yeah, it was pretty cool. I hope that doesn't happen again, actually.
2: All right. So you didn't have much luck uh, today. What's the bite been like this week?
3: Well, it's strictly a nighttime bite, Steve, you know, it's almost starting later and later. Yesterday it started about five o'clock and, you know, every day as the days lengthen, you know, they start moving in, you know, later and later. So the bite has been anywhere from about five o'clock to about seven o'clock and morning is kind of basically the same, like the first hour of sunrise. But during the day, it's tough and it's really tough everywhere from people I've talked to. And so, it doesn't make much sense to go out until about quarter to five or twenty to five and get set up before prime time, and and then you know they move in. So that seems to be the pattern, which probably will you know carry on for a while. And I, I'm still fishing really sh- shallow water, like seven, eight feet. But a lot of the lakes I've been on, there's people out in thirty, thirty-five feet that are catching you know super deep fish that are suspended. So there's kind of you know different patterns going on, but the one common denominator is it's really late in the day and, you know, into the early evening.
2: All right. So we've had uh, talk about uh, twins winter caravan, twins fest coming up, pitchers and catchers reporting to spring training. Uh, if you're a golf fan, there's been masters promo signs of spring. Um, and and we, we want to think spring a little bit on the program today. Um, what, what's what's going to be new? I know you like to talk technology. Uh, I guess you got news on a new trolling motor. What do you got?
3: Well, yeah, you know, I've uh, been kind of old school for a long time, and I'm probably one of the last guys, you know, in the Northwest that used an old uh, analog type of trolling motor, a foot control, and I actually decided I better get technical here. So I'm going to an upgraded trolling motor that has what's called spot lock on it and it's um, GPS-oriented, so when I get on a spot and if I catch a fish, I hit a button, and that trolling motor will hold me right on that spot so I don't have to sit there with my foot and control the spot, especially with wind. You know, it can be a little hairy, but um, I've been doing it my whole life, but I'm thinking, you know, it's time to step up a little bit, and I think this spot lock thing is pretty amazing. You know, it doesn't matter what the wind is doing and what the waves are doing, With the GPS technology, it just turns into the wind and holds your boat on that spot. So I'm really looking forward to it. I just need to find a 10-year-old to help me learn how to do it. (laughs)
2: Exactly. (laughs) You know, and and for anybody who likes to fish, say, for instance, on a body of water uh, like the Mississippi or the St. Croix where there's current, that can be handy.
3: Well, I think it's a game changer, and I can just, you know, sort of visualize how this is going to work, especially in windy days where you can actually be in the back of the boat instead of in the front of the boat. And you also have a remote control you put around your neck so you can kind of, you know, dictate uh, where you want to go from the back of the boat. So it makes it actually safer because when you're in the front of the boat running the foot control and it's windy and rough, you're bouncing around all over the place. So it's really a game changer, and I'm really looking forward to it, and I may have to read the manual and <laughs> try to figure it out. But, um, you know, I don't usually try something new very often, but, you know, all my cronies have these now. It's pretty standard stuff, so i got to, get guess, step up and, um, you know, join the 21st century, as they say.
2: Yeah, that is, that is cool technology uh, for sure. Steve, where are you going to be in the coming week?
3: Steve, I've been looking at the weather this week, and it looks very stable all week. I'm thinking maybe a run down to Big Stone Traverse, or possibly up to Bowstring Lake. I'm not sure. I see the weather is kind of going to go south about Friday, Saturday, and highs in the single digits. So, try to make a move probably this week before the weekend. So, um, looking forward to these 20s and 30s. This has really helped fishing a lot. It's been very stable, and you know, you can fish outside when it's in the 20s. So. So far, so good, and ice conditions are still really good. Uh, Snowpack is starting to slow down a little bit, so we can get around in the northwest and far west very well. It's just the people in the metro area are really suffering with very poor ice conditions, a lot of slush, so you really got to get out of town if you want to be able to get around and catch fish.
2: Yeah, this heavy wet stuff, my back is feeling it. I know uh, I have a snow thrower do some of the work, but... You know, there's still some spots where you got to get out the old shovel, and this has just been like wet concrete. Yeah, well, you got to
3: go find a 14-year-old kid in the neighborhood to do it for you, Steve. That's well,
2: yeah, and and that same kid could program your 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 new trolling motor. Yeah, very true. (laughs) (laughs) Very true. All right, right, Steve. Uh, Have a good one. Talk talk to you uh, next week. All right, sounds good,
3: Steve. Take care, man.
2: All right, there he is, Steve Carney, Steve Carney dot com. And oh by the way, our outdoors coverage continues tomorrow. I'm from the Outdoor News between five and six here on News Talk E three O W C C O. Keep in mind a week from today, uh Keep in mind, a week from today, we'll be on a little bit later. Uh, We have our Twins Fest coverage between 11 and 6 live from Target Field. And uh, we'll get Steve Carney in uh, somewhere between 5 and the start of the Timberwolves game at 6.30 next Saturday night. Here on News Talk, E3O WCCO. Wilder in Florida to play the Panthers. 5 o'clock start Central Time. They're 1-1 on this trip. Looks like Matt Dumble will be upstairs today. Golden Goal for Men's Hockey, big series with Michigan. Uh, Golden Goal for Women. They played a matinee against Bemidji State today. It was on Fox Nine Plus. I was thrilled to find that because in the studio here, I, I have over the air, and I, I found Golden Goal for Women's Hockey this afternoon. Fox 9 Plus, so a tip of the cap there. Jez Myers joins us from the rink live. And Jez, looks like the Golden Gopher women took care of business against Bemidji State today.
1: They said all the right things going into this one, Steve, about you know taking your opponent seriously. Bemidji State has had a tough year. So this was a series that the Gophers absolutely expected to win. They did win both games. Now it gets really interesting. The next three weeks, they've got a trip to Minnesota-Duluth They've got Ohio State and they've got Wisconsin. Over the next their next six games are against really the cream of the crop in the in the WCHA. So uh, if you're if you're going to win the conference for the second year in a row, you're going to have to do it in the next uh, in the next three weeks or so, and it's going to get really interesting for these Gophers.
2: Yeah, and the Ohio State story we all know about UMD as far as women's hockey goes. Uh, the, the Bulldogs have been around the top for a long, long time. And, so on and so forth, Wisconsin as well, but the, the emergence of this Ohio State program, and there there are a lot of ties to what what's happened over at the U and so on and so forth, but uh, man, Ohio State and women's hockey, definitely uh, the real deal, and it's happened fairly quickly.
1: You talk to Nadine Muzerol, you know, she's a former Gopher, she yep. went there to, to be uh, the head coach, that was her first head coaching job, and they don't have a great facility there, they admit it, it's, it's you know, equivalent to a a high school practice rink of what you'd have in Minnesota. But they pack the fans in there. They have fun with it. And talking to Nadine, who's a great hockey coach, uh, the one thing she likes to say is if you're any kid in North America, you already know Ohio State because you've seen them on TV playing football. You know the logo. You know the Buckeyes. You've heard the fight song. So she can go into any kid's uh, living room anywhere in Canada or the U.S. and say, I'm from Ohio State doesn 't have to explain anything more, they know who they are and and that 's been a huge advantage for them
2: yeah, for sure. any news on facilities they got plenty of money <laughs> that's
1: uh, that that's literally the multimillion dollar question at Ohio State is when are they going to get serious about building a, a real hockey rink to accommodate? both their men's and their women's program. The Buckeye men, you know, and the Buckeye men are very good this year, although they lost to Wisconsin last night. They play at the Schottenheim Center, which is also the basketball arena, which is way too big for college hockey. And then, like I said, the women's team plays in a a rink that's way too small. So I said they need the Goldilocks solution. They need to find one that's just right somehow in the middle.
2: Yeah, kind of like what they, they did down in Tempe. For Arizona State, by the way, an NHL team moved into that building, which is a whole other story. But, um, you know, that's a great building. And speaking of buildings, a uh, huge gift to the University of St. Thomas, and uh, they're they going to get a beauty, a, a multi-purpose arena uh, for basketball and hockey. And based on renderings, it looks like a real gem, and it'll be on campus. Look out.
1: And, and not just the main uh, ice sheet, which is going to have about 4,000 seats, which will be, you know, talking to the coaches over there, an absolute game changer for the type of player that they can recruit oh. to come to St. Thomas. But they're also building a second ice sheet uh, in the facility that's going to have, you know, a couple hundred seats. So they said that's also going to be an important place for hockey in St. Paul because you can attract youth hockey programs. You can have high school teams play there. You know, there there's going to be a lot of kind of buzz of activity around the St. Paul campus uh, of St. Thomas. Once, uh, once all of this gets going, hopefully in about the next two years.
2: Yeah. And that, that really is. And, and we have touched on it in the past, you know, St. Thomas already making inroads, I, I would say particularly in the girls game, getting some really good girls players to come into that program. And, um, the, the, there, there's no doubt when you add the building and the fact that you know uh, a potential Division One player, especially if they're from the greater Twin Cities area, can can stay in the cities and play D1 hockey. That that's a big deal.
1: Oh, and it's funny, Steve. I talk to uh, recruits that they're getting uh, kids that have committed to St. Thomas for next year or beyond that. They all talk about that business school, you know, just a renowned business school there, a great place to get an education. It was fun listening to the folks, uh, the administration folks, when they made this announcement, talking about how they're kind of establishing their identity as a uh, as a big time athletic Catholic college in, in a major city. You think about Villanova, you think about Boston College, you think about Georgetown, you know, some of these schools that are big names in metro areas and and st thomas absolutely has visions that the, that they could be in that vein with with of course their own identity
2: yeah and i think uh getting away from hockey a little bit uh the football team has shown that they can more than compete at the next level in the pioneer and i i would think that at at some point if they can get a facility figured out for the football team would would love to maybe make the jump to the missouri valley football conference but uh don't want to get ahead of ourselves glenn crusoe sure can coach the game that's for sure and they're getting a lot of good players and having a lot of success on the football side of things now uh mary 3m arena Mariucci, a couple of heavy hitters in the big 10 minnesota and michigan whale of a game on friday night
1: absolutely you know two really good really talented teams going toe-to-toe um I got a problem, Steve, as a writer. I'm running out of good things to say about Matthew Nyes. I mean, the the way that guy takes over games, and we saw it again last night. It was kind of fun. I'm walking around the concourse before the game, which I like to do, just kind of get the get the feel of things, you know, down below the press box. And I run into Miro Nyes. That's Matthew's father. He's originally from Slovakia. He lives in Arizona now. He moved his family to Arizona. So they live in the Phoenix area. And I joked about, you know, having to make these trips to Minnesota in January when it's so gray and cloudy and cold here. And he said, yeah, it's sunny and 70 every day in Arizona about about this time of year. But he doesn't mind, of course, coming up to see his son play. Well, I asked Matthew about that after the game, after he gets uh, you know a, a highlight reel goal at one point in the second period, and then he scores the overtime winner. I said, if you're going to force your parents to come up here in the winter where it's gray and cloudy and cold and all that, if you're going to force them to leave Arizona to come watch you play there's a little bit of pressure to at least put on a show, right? And Matt, Matthew was great. And he, he, said, he said, for Christmas, he said, I knew they'd be making these trips. And, of course, he's been drafted by Toronto, so you'd think uh, maybe next year, maybe two years from now, he'll be playing uh, in Toronto as well. He said, for Christmas, he bought his parents winter boots and he bought them winter jackets, just, just nice. prepping for that uh, hockey career, not only coming here to Minnesota, but maybe going to Toronto in a year or two.
2: Yeah, and a big kid, too.
1: Absolutely. He's got some size. And, and, you know, uh, the the general consensus is this will probably be his last year with the Gophers because this is a guy with the size and the skills that could probably make a pretty – Seamless transition to the NHL game, you know, later this year, if not next year. But Bob Mosco last night said, you know, he, he was great as a freshman. He's taken a huge step this year. And, man, he'll be even better for us next year. And he kind of had a little bit of a grin. So there's a little bit of campaigning to maybe try and get Matthew and I to spend one more year in college and and, and give the Gophers another run.
2: Yeah. Uh, by the way, Jeff Myers joining us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker hotline, he works for the rink live, and uh, did this Michigan team, this Minnesota team, we have touched on this before, and th- there's there's still the people, yeah, the old days, the WCHA, but as we have touched on with the addition of Notre Dame and, and the growing depth in this conference, um, you know the, the Big Ten's a real deal, it's pretty good hockey night, night in and night out.
1: You know, if you, uh, you had a, a packed building last night. You had a great atmosphere, great crowd. You had two really good teams going at it for, for 60 minutes plus, because of course the game went to overtime. I don't know what you're looking for if that isn't, uh, college yeah. hockey at about its best. And, i like to point out this, folks. People who say, well, I'm not used to playing Michigan State, Michigan, Notre Dame. I miss the old WCHA. Well, go back to the 1970s. The WCHA included the Gophers, Michigan, Michigan State, and Notre Dame. So this technically is the old WCHA when you have those teams come to town.
2: Yeah, and you know what's kind of crazy about all of this too, Jess, is is here we are rapidly closing in on the end of January, and – it goes really quick now between uh, here in the end of the regular season and the, the start of the, the Big Ten tournament.
1: You know how in in the middle of July, or excuse me, at this time of year, you know how it's easy to think about, man, I wish it was the middle of July. I wish I was sitting on a pontoon yeah, somewhere sure. in the sun. Well, this is one of those times of year where I think about, you know, middle of July when it's really hot out and I can't sleep because it's so humid at night, I'll think, Man, I miss January and weekends like this one where you've got great college hockey going on. You've got the Wild going on. Hockey Day Minnesota coming up in just a week. And, Steve, I've got to tell you, probably the greatest game in Minnesota was played last night uh, 365 miles from here up in Warroad. Wyzetta, which is ranked number one in the state in boys in AA, went all the way up to Warroad to play Warroad, which is ranked number one in single A. Uh, you know, a head-to-head matchup of theoretically this, the state 's two top teams, Warro came away with a three nothing win with an empty net goal, but you know there's just so much fantastic hockey going on right now this is This is really a great time of year
2: well and what 's amazing about it, speaking of going quick uh the girls' regular season closing it out very soon they they moved to sections in early February already I, I was kind of yeah, looking absolutely. ahead at the schedule and, and trying to 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 beg. And 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 get games, whether it's on a streaming service or local cable TV. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, it, it's girls' section hockey time, and boy, I sure would like to be able to call some Andover Huskies <laughs> games in, in February. So uh, I, I'm I'm lobbying already for that. So.
1: I've, you know, we've had this conversation before, but hey, if you're a real hockey fan, mark your calendars right now. Go, go get to a couple section final games, boys or girls, yeah, yeah. A or AA, it doesn't matter. Those section championship games are the best, most intense youth or high school hockey that you will ever see because it's do or die. One team gets to live its dream, gets to go to the state tournament, gets to play at the XL Energy Center. The other team's done. Season's over. You know, it's, it's the absolute... Everything-on-the-line yes. kind of game, and I just love to watch those.
2: Yeah, and it, it's coming up very quickly as well. All right, Jess, good to visit with you. Thanks, as always. Enjoy the coverage. Uh, how, do, how do people follow you? How do people find your work?
1: TheRinkLive.com. We've got a ton of content there, all the college teams locally, a lot of great high school coverage, a lot of great youth hockey coverage even. So uh, we, we've got it all covered at The Rink Live.
2: All right, Jess, great. Thank you. Take care, Steve. There he is, Jess Myers from the rink live, joining us here on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. Uh, First playoff game, NFL divisional weekend. Kansas City leading Jacksonville 10-7 late second quarter. Patrick Mahomes knocked out of the game. Looks like some sort of ankle injury, but uh, Kansas City up 10-7 late in the second at home. And they're knocking on the door. They have a second and goal inside the two-yard line. Make it a touchdown. Uh, so, so Mahomes out. Certainly a big story there. Here on News Talk. eight three zero 3 owcco Kansas City leading Jacksonville 17-7. Late second quarter. Patrick Mahomes injured his ankle. Uh, left the field briefly. It looks like he's back on the sideline. But Chad Henney. Led Kansas City on a touchdown drive to extend the lead to 10. Uh, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. First game of the divisional weekend in uh, the playoffs. Tonight, Philly hosting the New York Giants and the NFC. And then uh, tomorrow, Cincinnati at Buffalo early. And then later on, Dallas at San Francisco. The winners play next weekend in the AFC and NFC championship games. We're going to talk motorsports right now. We haven't visited with Jordan Bianchi from The Athletic in a while, and he joins us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. Uh, Jordan, it's a little late, but Happy New Year to you.
4: Same to you, my friend. Thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure, Steve.
2: Yeah, good to visit with you. NASCAR Hall of Fame. Uh, Matt Kenseth, uh, winning driver, uh, you certainly put him in the legend category, gets his call to the Yeah, hall. absolutely.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And a guy, you know, Minnesota race fans probably have a lot of familiarity with, you know, was from Wisconsin and raced, you know, at the Minnesota State Fairgrounds for some years. Um, and, and like you said, a great career, 2003 Cup Series champion, two-time Daytona 500 winners, one you know, NASCAR's biggest races, Southern 500. It's It was a much-deserved honor for one of NASCAR's more underrated drivers. People don't really appreciate kind of the career that Matt had, but both consistency and duration, he was one of NASCAR's best during his time.
2: Yeah, and uh, re- really a dry wit. He He's kind of a hoot. I've always enjoyed his interviews. Uh, uh, w- once again, it's a bit of an acquired taste, but uh, I- an enjoyable character.
4: Uh, very much. I'm glad you mentioned that because he actually has a great sense of humor. People don't yeah. really appreciate it because he doesn't really kind of let it out. And it's unfortunate because he's got some really great humors and he's really, really great at the one-liners. Yeah. Um, but he's just kind of a low-key guy. And when you get to know Matt, you know, you, you, you really get to know a really good man, a funny guy, smart. Um, and his hall of fame speech last night had a few of those moments where he was kind of making those quips and, and jokes and everything. And it was good to see. And he's somebody that you kind of wish would show a little bit more personality. Cause they kind of get to bum rap for being kind of a robot, if you will, which is certainly not the case. when you get to know him.
2: Yeah, for sure. And, uh, the NASCAR hall of fame in Charlotte, um, Long time coming. I think they've really done a nice job with this.
4: They have. You know, there was some debate when they they built it, oh, man, like 15 years ago about where to put it. And, really, there's only one place for it to be, and it is here in Charlotte. It's where all the NASCAR teams are located, and it it does. It's a really special place. You go there, you you walk through. It's what a Hall of Fame should be, and it's, it's a special thing. And, really, at this time of year, when they have all of the Hall of Famers there and they're kind of milling about and you can walk through the hall and you'll run into somebody you know um, that you recognize It's a, it's a pretty cool thing.
2: Jordan Bianchi joining us from the athletic covers NASCAR, certainly paid his dues and, uh, (laughs) well, well deserving, you know, I, I, I've said this before, Jordan, but man, your, your, your journey, uh, to be able to cover the sport full-time is, is just a great story of perseverance.
4: I appreciate it very much. It was uh, not easy for sure. I had a lot of great uh, support along the way, including you. You've been a longtime supporter of mine, Steve, and I, I always appreciate the kind words that you say for me.
2: Yeah. Um, and we embark on a new season. It, it goes quick. All of a sudden, out to the L.A. Coliseum for the Clash. Uh, it was well-received. They're going to go back. And that that really kind of – you get Hall of Fame weekend here and then uh, head out to L.A. For, for a big kickoff, and then it's on to Daytona for Speed Weeks.
4: It is, and it's the, the LA Coliseum. I can't believe they're racing there. When they raced there last year the first time, it was it was really like, holy cow, this is actually happening. And I'll tell you what, the feelings are kind of the same again, because I was seeing some uh, video and updates of the, of the track building, if you will. And They're building it in a stadium where USC plays football games, or right. that is twice hosted to the Olympics, the Summer Olympics. And you're like, they're actually building a NASCAR track inside there, and they are, and they made it work, and now they're doing it again. It's an incredible feat. It's really remarkable. It speaks to really what NASCAR has been able to do these last few years, which is do a lot of things you, you don't think are going to happen or even think possible. And yet here they are. You know, one of those races is, is not just the Coliseum, but the racing in downtown Chicago this year uh, and 4th of July weekend, which is crazy to think about, but they are. And that's kind of the new NASCAR where being different, being innovative is certainly becoming the norm.
2: Yeah, and creating new attractions, because I'm gra- mm-hmm. glad you brought up Chicago and here in the Midwest. Uh, they they went to Road America in, in Wisconsin. That's been a big success. They, they've they abandoned some mile-and-a-half shows. Yep. Uh, speaking of Chicago, Chicagoland Speedway out in Joliet, you know, kind of a yawner. Uh, cookie-cutter tracks, they've really tried to move away from that and mix up the schedule. And I know you've talked about it for a long time. Huge, huge step for the sport.
4: I was just going to say this is a conversation that you and I have had so many times, yeah. right, where, you know, you look at the schedule and it was so many times you're like, oh, this just feels redundant. It feels like the same thing over and over again. And really, over the last three, four years, that's not the case, where you've now got a street course in downtown Chicago. You're racing at the L.A. Coliseum. You've got a dirt track. You've got a bunch of road courses. You've got a bunch of new facilities. Every year you're going somewhere new and different. It just gives us energy and this freshness to it. Where you got rid of that staleness, really, through, especially through the summer months, it just felt so old, and it's just like we've been there, done that. It's not the case anymore, and it's fun. And I mentioned too, another place you're going to, a little bit older place, but a return to North Wilkesboro, where well, they haven't raced there since 1986, and that's that's that itself is remarkable.
2: Yeah, and I, and I think some of that nostalgia and some of that, oh wow, that that sounds cool. I might check it out. You know, whether it's in person or eyeballs on television because there there was a real trend because there were a lot of legends that stepped away from this sport in a Mm -hmm. short period of time and you know that that's never a good sign when you have you know the likes of Jeff Gordon and Tony Stewart and and Jimmy Johnson and Dale Earnhardt Jr. all leaving the sport in a relatively short period of time
4: it is it was a it was a kind of like this glut of star star drivers that were just kind of excess and it's just the way it kind of ebbed and flowed some of it was guys just kind of reaching the end of their natural careers unfortunately in some cases it was injury um but you you have seen some new stars emerge and they've kind of got their footing you know Chase Elliott Kyle Larson uh, I would even throw Joey Logano in there now who's the defending champion um you're starting to see kind of these people kind of come to the forefront a little bit and being showcased a little bit more and it feels like NASCAR has been able to do a really good job of still staying true to its roots and re kind of connecting to its blue collar fan base who kind of felt dis- disenfranchised for a long time, right? And they're kind of welcoming them back in the fold, you know, returning to North Wilkesboro, the Southern 500s back at Darlington, but also embracing newness and welcoming change and progress with Chicago and, you know, LA and everything going on there. It's just this nice balance, and they, they have struck that chord, and it's going to be interesting to see how they continue to do this forward. I think NASCAR is in a really good place going forward. They've still got some work to do, no doubt, but they are a much better spot than they were a few years ago.
2: But we did see an uptick. Television mm-hmm. ratings were good, and uh, attendance was good. I, I brought up Road America in Wisconsin. Two years in a row, that, that's been a very well-attended show
4: absolutely very well tenant show they did a great job there and you know we it was a, kind of became a staple on the fourth of July weekend and people embraced it never raced there before and we know wisconsin race fans we talked about Mackenzie. we know where race, the wisconsin race fans are really really passionate it, it's a great market and it's cool that nascar is now kind of expanding into these areas that were not really tapped into before I and mean, we knew wisconsin in the upper midwest was was passionate oh. about racing but there was never a race there and it was like why and instead of Just kind of shrugging your shoulders and saying, oh, it's just how it is. It's now NASCAR's now saying, okay, well, we're going to figure this out. And you're seeing that expansion. And it's going to be interesting to see where they go next year. I mean, there's all sorts of things on the table, whether it's racing in Canada or Mexico or the Pacific Northwest. Um, It's kind of a anything feels possible now, which is not something you could have said for a long time.
2: Well, and here's the thing. If they can race in Chicago at some point <laughs> yeah. in the future, why can't they race somewhere here in Minneapolis, St. Paul? Set up a road course. Why not? You know, there, there's I mean, plenty of race fans in this part of the world. You know that.
4: Uh, yeah, absolutely. I would never. I would never. I've learned over the last few years because I never thought they were going to race at North Wilkes Road again, right? Because I mean, it's just, yeah. it was done. And it was falling apart, and they're going back there. I never thought they'd race in Chicago or LA Coliseum. I just will say, you never say never. And if there is a market, if there are sponsors, if there is a push, you will do it. And Minneapolis, the, the St. Paul area, the Twin Cities, is a very vibrant market. It's one of the bigger markets in this country, and it's it's, I, it's everything is, is on the table right now. Nothing is is off. And if there is an opportunity to do it, who knows down the road? If it, maybe it happens.
2: All right. Well, uh, are you going to be in LA? Are you gonna Are you going to be on that trip? <laughs> I will be in L.A. I'll leave in uh,
4: about a week and a half. Looking forward to it. Nice. It's going to be fun. and uh, I'm look- Yeah, it'll be good. And then Daytona right after that. And so NASCAR season's here.
2: Well, top ten on my bucket list getting to a Daytona 500, one of these years. I'll look you up down there at Daytona. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, love, it's, to, it's, love to, my top, friend. Love top top to ten list it. to get to a Loves 500. It. All right, Thanks, Jordan, me. take Appreciate care, you. man. Bye. All right, there he is, Jordan Bianchi from The Athletic, joining us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker hotline. I did catch that, that race at the L.A. Coliseum. I, you, you got to give it a chance in early February. I think they're going to do it on a Sunday night. First Sunday night uh, It's before Super Bowl weekend uh, at the L.A. Coliseum. It is. It's, it's interesting. 11 minutes now in front of 5 o'clock here at News Talk. 830 WCCO. We haven't talked a lot of golf. You look outside, and it's going to be a long time before we're able to play outside. But they are playing out in the Palm Springs area, La Quinta, to be exact. PGA Tour at the American Express. Uh, John Rahm's gone low, 65 today. He's at 23 under par. Uh, David Thompson. Uh, is tied for the leader. Davis Thompson, excuse me, uh, 23 under par. Uh, JT Poston at minus 19 uh, in this tournament. Scotty Scheffler at at minus 17. Xander Schauffele also in that group at minus 17. Tony Finau playing. Uh, Finau uh, won here at the 3M Open last summer. So uh, right now, John Rahm done for the day. So far, he's gone 64, 64, 65 final round uh, in Southern California. This, this is the old Bob Hope Desert Classic. It is now called the American Express. And this this is my favorite stretch on the PGA Tour. I've always just loved this West Coast swing. Because on this swing, not not only are you, out in the desert this week. But you get the Farmers Insurance Open at Torrey Pines. Then you go to Pebble Beach. And then you've got the TPC at Scottsdale. That That's the old Waste Management. Now I think they call it the WM, uh, Phoenix Open. And then you finish the West Coast Swing at the Riv, Riviera Country Club in Pacific Palisades. Uh, between LA and the ocean. And then you're on to Florida and the countdown to the Masters. Some good tournaments down there, including the Arnold Palmer Invitational at Bay Hill. Uh, the Players' Championship has moved up in the schedule. And then, of course, the Masters in early April. But I just love this West Coast swing because we've got snow on the ground. We're not playing golf outside. You can go indoors to a simulator. You can uh, maybe hit top golf and and get some swings in. But um, I, I sure enjoyable uh, to watch uh, the golf here early in the season. But once again, John Rahm, big round again today. Uh, he is tied for the co-lead with Davis Thompson at 23 under par. Uh, what we've got coming up here on the radio, still some good stuff. Phil Miller covers the Twins for the Star Tribune. That big trade, some are... Okay with it. Others hate it. Uh, The the Twins give up. Uh, Reigning American League batting champ, Luis Sarais, they pick up Pablo Lopez, a big right-hander from the Miami Marlins, and a couple of minor leaguers. We'll jump in that with Phil. And we'll welcome your comments on the trade. You've had a chance to, to think it over. What do you think about the deal? And then we'll couch down to the Timberwolves and the Rockets. From Target Center tonight, our pregame show at 6.30 with Cal Allen Horton with all the play-by-play following uh, the top of the hour at 7 o'clock in downtown Minneapolis. This is an absolute positively must-win game for the Timberwolves. You cannot lose to the 10-win Rockets tonight at home. We'll have the news in a moment.